Pentecost, a time for thanks. The Feast of Pentecost is peculiar. It's not a week-long celebration beginning and ending in Sabbath as the other two required Feast of the Lord. Pentecost does not occur in any symmetric interval, occurring at opposite times of the year, six months apart to the very hour, as do its counterparts. Pentecost is scheduled on a particular time and day, but isn't it odd that it has no date? When the Lord of Hosts gives peculiar and intricate detail, it's our clue to look for and to recognize coinciding events. As these landmarks, benchmarks, and signposts begin to form, the signs of the times begins to be clearer and clearer to us. The recognition of prophetic events is the singular reason why we are to rehearse the feast days every year. This is why we are to know the calendar of Jehovah and keep it. It's the reason we are to watch for the Chodesh, new moon, every month and always be aware of the correct date. This is why we are to teach these things to our generations. Deuteronomy 6, 6-7, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Most importantly, as we practice these holy days, we are unconsciously becoming proficient at recognizing the signs surrounding their occurrences. There are some particulars to consider concerning Pentecost. One, why does it hang all by itself on the calendar? Number two, why count to 50 days? Three, why is it always on first day, Sunday? What significant thing happened to the children of Israel on the first day of the first count to the first Pentecost in the Promised Land? Pentecost has been fulfilled in several ways. Think about the implications of this prophetic day. The day that Joshua, correspond Yeshua, Jesus, brought the people from the wilderness, correspond life, under the law, to the land of promise, correspond the kingdom of God. After the resurrection, the Holy Spirit was given to the waiters, the counters to the day of Pentecost. They received the Spirit, and it came with the greatest, most powerful change made in man since the fall and degradation in the Garden of Eden. The Power of Speech As mankind wandered in his fallen condition, finally to Babel after the flood, a significant source of power was taken away from us. The power of communication. This power had to be removed in order to hinder man's ability to accomplish anything our wicked hearts could imagine. Genesis 11, 5-9, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, 
and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. And they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Since the establishment of this hindered state of confusion and inability due to the lack of ability to communicate, mankind has continued to occupy the earth. So, how are we to do greater works than these? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. John fourteen twelve. What has going to the Father got to do with greater works? Mankind's ability to communicate was reestablished at Pentecost. When the surge of this regained power hit the men and women in the upper room, it spilled from their physical tongues like fire. Everyone in attendance understood every word and every thought, no matter what language was spoken. The curse of the garden, the curse of Babel, at last was lifted and communication restored. Oh yeah, remember that event? Follow this sequence and link the prophecy to its fulfillment. What happened on that first day of the first count to the first Pentecost in the Promised Land? The manna ceased. Keep counting. Saving the best to last. When we remember the Passover and keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread... We see the grueling events of the plagues torturing the world that rejects him while simultaneously enjoying the loving and divine exemption from that torture. Where will the third feast, Pentecost, required by Jehovah, make its appearance in prophetic end-time events? To mentally experience an event yet in the future, we must take an imaginary journey. To avoid heresy and error, this excursion will require solid theology, and we must allow theology to prevail over imagination. Having established this imperative, we may easily develop a scene in our own mind of the coming Pentecost. Emerging from the smoke and rubble of the great war of Armageddon, just won for us by the Lord Jesus, we will begin to make our home among the wilderness-like remains of the final conflict. Now, with your theologian hat pulled tightly down on your head, take a moment to consider and answer a question as if you are already living in the future world. Imagine, 49 days ago, the skies rolled back as Messiah came and wrought marvelous deliverance to all those living on the earth in obedience and faith. It was a glorious thing to behold. Though more than a month and a half has passed, we're still dazzled. 
standing in the ransomed rubble beneath our feet, we have enjoyed our first Feast of Tabernacles. It is the first time in our new world that we have offered the first fruits offering, and we have diligently counted to Pentecost. Today is the 49th day. What will happen tomorrow? What are we to expect on day 50? At Sinai, we're told that during the visitation, we will hear a trumpet sounding. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount, Exodus 19:13. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. Exodus 19, 19. And don't we hear an allusion to Revelation 11 and Exodus 20, 18? And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. Why 50? The number 50 appears in the Jubilee as an end or completion of a long-endured time of life interaction. Likewise, we can make the obvious application to the final Jubilee at Messiah's return, and it also terminates at the sound of a trumpet. Then thou shalt cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement ye shall make the trumpet sound throughout your land. Leviticus 25, 9. The trumpet sounding at jubilee marked the beginning and the end of these prophetic times. Could the last trump, referred to by Paul, show that the prophetic eras have ended? At the last trump, for the trumpets shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 1 Corinthians 15.52 Notice that jubilee is pronounced on the Day of Atonement, proclaiming the year of our atonement as our jubilee year, the year we all go free. Could all these holy days combine into one huge event that will finalize this eternal cosmic plan of redemption? I believe they will. And when they do, they will end with Pentecost. Pentecost, the great and mysterious holy day. Pentecost is the most prophetically mysterious holy day that we rehearse. At first glance, it is the only holy day remaining as pure as the day it was given. It cannot be counterfeited or affected by religion. If wicked men or demons understood Pentecost, they would probably make more attempts to corrupt it. Perhaps it was the plan of the enemy to merely forget it or to lose it through insignificant counting of omers instead of days. There's no commandment to count omers. We must never forget the great Pentecost. 
We count it because we anticipate the day our God comes to live in us at last. Fifty days from Babylon's final fall, when the kingdoms of the world are redeemed by our Messiah. Fifty days from the night that the death sentence passes upon all mankind, we will experience the greater Pentecost. No longer will Pentecost just be a word in our ears or even his words in our mouths, as recorded in the book of Acts. At last... Pentecost will be the Word, Jehovah God Himself, living with us, living in us, communion. In part, everything we now experience in our lives will be made whole and lasting. His Word in us now will be so much more then. His presence in us now will be much more then. Yes, he is in our world now, but not like he will be then. We are in his kingdom now, but not like we will be then. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Corinthians 13, 9 through 12. This will all happen on the day of Pentecost.